Hey everyone, welcome to Riverwalk Church's online campus experience. I'm Steve Rhodes, lead pastor here at Riverwalk Church. I am so thankful to be able to spend Riverwalk Church's first Easter with you. And we are so excited that you are a part of our family. You're a part of our community and we are so thankful that you're here. Uh, if you got to come out yesterday to our extravaganza, our Easter family fun day, man, what a wonderful time we had. Uh, it was great seeing all the kids and the prizes they got, and we can't wait for our next opportunity to serve our community with you. Hey, if this is your first time watching or first time listening to uh, the online campus experience, why don't you send us a message, let us know where you're watching from, and let us know how we could better connect with you. So let's jump back into our series that we've been on leading up to today. Uh, this is the seventh and final saying of Jesus while he was on the cross, and I'm excited for this. This is the one I've been looking forward to. Jesus looks out, he looks up to the heavens, and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and today... Uh, part of this message, we have a couple of people who are going to be sharing their stories of how they had to do just this. Uh, they were given situations that were out of their power, out of their control, but instead of being discouraged, instead of giving up, they looked to God and said, God, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and I trust you. And this is their story. Turner syndrome is a chromosome abnormality. Um, it affects like one out of 200,000 women or something like that. But I know only 2% of the women who have it actually get born. So I'm lucky to be alive. It's been tough, you know, like I was diagnosed with it at birth, and I had my first open-heart surgery at four months old, so with 0% chance of making it, and my second one at five years old with 5% chance of making it. You know, my parents were told both times to, you know, make funeral arrangements, and so I wasn't, I didn't have a normal life as far as, like, being able to go in after school activities or, you know, I mean, my parents did the best they could. I was in brownies and, you know, I went to youth groups, camps and all that. But as far as like being in cheerleading, being in softball, never done any of that. Like it honestly, makes me realize other people are going through stuff because it seems like every time I, I'm going through something you know have you know a surgery or have this there's always somebody else that has something like worse going through so I think God is just like telling me hey you know you're not the only one going through stuff you know I've been in church my mom brought me up in church but I don't think it was until I was 18 when I really 
just completely surrendered to God and was like, okay, Jesus, you take the will. I'm done. And it was like seriously like a huge weight just off my shoulders because I didn't have to worry about the medical stuff anymore, finances or, you know, doctor bills, whatever. I mean, I hear people all the time talk about, oh, I'm doing, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, and, you know, I'm mad at God because of this. Like, he doesn't do things to you, you know? Like, I don't feel like I'm being punished for having Turner Syndrome. I feel like I could share, you know? I had a patient one time, I walked in to her room and she was crying, 70 year old woman, I'm guessing. And I asked her why she was crying and she said that she was about to have open heart for the first time and didn't know anything about it. And I got to talk to her. And yeah, she was about maybe 70-ish. And I got, me at the time, 20 something, this was like maybe 10 years ago, I got to, let her know what it was like and that she'll she will be okay yeah the group of ladies that I'm with we meet once once a month and every time we meet it's like okay you know what are you going through because we all go through something different you know even though it's kind of the same you know um, illnesses and it's it's all different for each of us. I love this this church. You know, I've been I've been to churches growing up, and there's not. I mean, you only get a few that you know just are really special, like that make you feel at home. That. You know you're not going to be judged for anything. What a story to encourage us, right? No matter what we're going through, we can commit our lives, our health, our future, our marriage. We can commit that into Jesus' hands and trust him. So over the last seven weeks, we've been going through this series of uh, the last saying, the last truths, the last principles that Jesus shared with you and I while he was on the cross. Now, the scripture we've been repeating every week is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we are in. Study how he did it. And that's what we've been doing. We've been studying how Jesus, on his worst day, right, being crucified, lifted up into the air to die in front of everyone on his worst day, how did he make it through it? And leading up till Easter, or leading up till the, the crucifixion, it says that, that Jesus was betrayed by his own disciple for money. He was arrested by temple soldiers, interrogated by the high priest, tried with falsified evidence by the Jewish ruling council. He was denied by his most vocal supporter, Peter, beaten by temple soldiers, questioned 
by the Roman governor, questioned by the ruler of Galilee, questioned again by the Roman governor. He was whipped by Roman guards. He was condemned to death by Pilate, by the wishes of the people. He was mocked by the Roman soldiers. He was crowned with thorns. He was forced to carry his cross to the place of execution. He was stripped, nailed to the cross, and lifted into the air to hang from that cross until he died. From 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., Jesus makes seven statements, seven truths, seven sayings. This is the last sayings of the cross. The first one was a saying of forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The second thing he said was a saying of salvation. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The third thing Jesus said was a saying of relationship. He looked at his mother, looked at John and said, here is your son and here is your mother. Week four was a saying of abandonment. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fifth thing he said was a saying of distress. He says, I am thirsty. Last week was a saying of triumph when he said, it is finished. And this week, as I said, is is a, a saying of reunion. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. All six of the prior statements all require the seventh statement, right? All six of those uh, couldn't be finished, couldn't be accomplished without number seven. And this is a saying of trust. That God, I am trusting you with what I'm going through. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with everything that is in me. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 And 46 says, it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Now, what I find most interesting about this is this the second saying of this series of of the seven things he said this is the second time that he quotes scriptures out of psalms when he was saying my uh, father father why have you forsaken me he was quoting out of psalms and now we're looking at that again in psalms chapter 31 when it's the exact same thing it says into your hands i commit my spirit deliver me lord my faithful god you know, we've been talking for the last seven, seven, seven weeks excuse me, about how to make it through our bad day, how to make it through our bad times, our hard times, our difficult moments. And I think it's very important for you and I to get this idea of maybe what Jesus was saying kind of in between what he was saying. What if you and I, during our bad days, during our hard times, what if we go and we quote Scripture? What if we take the words of Jesus, the words of the Bible, apply it to our situation, apply it to our hearts, and we trust God with it? And that's what Jesus was saying. He said, David and Psalms trusted you, and today as I'm dying, I'm trusting you as well. Going through your bad days, you have to learn how to trust. We got to learn to trust God. And we got to learn to trust the people that God has put around us. 
the trap of the enemy today that, that I want you to understand and want you to, 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 to have knowledge of is keeping us, keeping our problems into our own hands. That when we're going through something, that when we're battling, when we're at the lowest of lows, uh, the enemy wants us to think that we have to keep a hold of it, that we have to keep our hands around it. But the problem is when we keep our troubles there with us, it causes us to worry. It causes us to have division within ourselves. Do I hold on to it and worry about it? Do I give it to God and let him worry about it? Right? And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 and th- through 30, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or even enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? You know, I think for you and I, we spend a lot of times worrying about the little things in life. That's what Jesus is telling us here. And Jesus is saying, why don't you cast off the cares of food, money, like like stop worrying about these small things and put put your eyes, put your thoughts, put your mind towards larger eternal issues of what's going on around you. You know, it's easy for you and I to get bogged down and worrying about, uh, you know, what are we going to wear? What's today going to be like? What's this week going to be like? And Jesus is saying, listen, I have that under control. And and I want you to hear that today, okay? I want you to hear that, that Jesus has that under control in your life. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to lay at night wondering when's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? I'll tell you when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. It's going to happen in Jesus' time. And it's going to uh, work through Jesus. That he is the one who's going to take care of those needs that you have in your life. You're far more important than flowers. You're far more important than, than birds. God has you in his hand, and you don't have to worry. Worrying is trying to control the uncontrollable. Let's say that again. Worry is trying to control the uncontrollable. We're trying to have all the power and all the strength in our lives. We're trying to keep everything together. We're trying to control what we can't control. And that's why Jesus is saying, listen, with the last thing I'm saying, I want you to trust. I want you to understand that you can't control what's happening in your life, but God can. 
Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's read that again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. Tell God what you need. Listen, in prayer, we are saying here to God and we're letting it go. I want to say it again. In prayer, what we are saying is, God, here, take this, and we are letting go of it. That, God, I'm taking my worries, my doubts, my insecurities, my depression, my anxiety, and what's causing it, and I'm giving it to you, Lord, and I'm taking my hands off and saying, hey, listen, it can't, be, it can't be in my hands and your hands. And I'm going to much trust, I'm going to much more trust that you could take care of it far better than what I can. So, I want you to understand this. It can't be your problem and God's, right? It could either be your problem or God's problem, but it can't be both. And this is why in prayer, we make that decision to say, God, this is yours. All right. So what can we do? What can we do to make sure that we are trusting God more? How do we get to the point to where we could fully let go of these issues? The first thing I want you to know and encourage yourself with is we must get to know God. For some of us, probably for the rest of us, right, we need to get to know God better. All right, so what do we do? The more we know Jesus, the more we get to know him, the more we spend time with him, the more that we can trust him, right? This is like every other relationship. The more time you spend with someone, the, the more you trust them or the more you don't trust them, right? Sometimes we get to know some folk and we don't want to trust them with nothing, Right? Right? We don't want to trust him with anything in our lives. But God, the more we get to know him, the more we spend in prayer, the more time we study in his word, the more time we just sit in his presence and allow him to speak to us, the more we learn to trust him. Matthew 6, verse 31 through 32. So don't worry about any of these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Today, you're watching church. This is your church home. I want you to understand that we just don't need to attend church. We have to know God. Hear the airplane. Lost my breath, drank of water. What'd you say? Okay. Let me say that again. We don't just need to come to church. 
We need to know God. We have to get to know who he is. We got to understand who he is in our lives. We got to understand what he wants to do in our lives. It's not about just coming to church, right? We just don't fill up church buildings just to say we went to church. We don't just come to church just to experience it. We come to church to know our Father. All right, second thing I want you to do is put God first in every area of your life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God. Above all else, live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Listen, instead of putting our energy into worry, put it into something bigger. God's kingdom. Right? Take your mind out of your worries. Take your mind out of what you've been going through and say, how can I better God's kingdom? How can I live kingdom principles in my life? How can I live that, that, that prayer that Jesus taught us, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can I be a person who brings God's kingdom to this earth and shares it with the people around me? And when we do that, right? God will take care of our needs. We have to stop investing into our own agenda, and we have to invest in God's, and he will take care of yours, right? I'm going to put my attention, I'm going to put my efforts, I'm going to put everything that I have in making sure that God's kingdom comes first in my life, and then God is going to take care of my needs. I don't know about you, but I think I would much rather have God taking care of my needs than me trying to do it, right? Right? We said last week, I would I, much rather trust an all-knowing, all-powerful God with the unknown than, I, than, than ever have certainty in a very limited me, right? Right? God could do everything. God knows everything. And I have to stop worrying about these things and trust that Jesus is going to take care of me where I'm at. Third thing I want you to understand today is live one day at a time. Live now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Worry about today. Trust in today. Trust about what God wants to do today. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't, don't, don't remember the things that you went through yesterday. Don't worry about what's coming tomorrow. Today is here. And we're here today. So, I want you to remember this. Don't open your umbrella until it rains. Right? If we actually saw a picture of our worries, it would be us walking around with umbrellas open all day, every day. Now, I understand we live in Florida, so this... You know, you could walk around with an umbrella because there's an 80% chance that it's going to randomly rain sometime that day through springtime, right? We've experienced that. But we can't walk around with our umbrellas open, blocking the beautiful skies, blocking everything that God has for us just because we're worried that it may rain. Let's wait until it rains and then open our umbrellas. Then put our guard up. All right, y'all, this is good stuff today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. 
So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today, right? What I'm going through today takes all of my attention, all of my power, all of everything that I have that I can't worry about tomorrow. I have to focus in on what is ahead of me today. And to live through your bad day, you have to place it in God's hands, and you got to leave it there. To make it through your bad day, to make it through your bad season, to make it through what you are going through today, you've got to put it in Jesus' hands and leave it. And I want you to know today that you could trust God as a good father. And this is an example that we see Jesus laid out the whole time in the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament, we never see that. We never hear anyone pray to God as Father. They always had these beautiful prayers and different names for God that they've experienced. But, but the Jesus shows up in this pit, picture, and he, he even teaches us that when he's praying the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching us that prayer. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. And this is awesome because we understand that, that Jesus is God's Son, but now he's saying, Our Father. That, that Jesus is saying, he's my father, but he's your father. And he's going to take care of you as he took care of me, because he loves you. Oh, this is good stuff. Y'all better hold on. This is good. That when we go to the Lord in prayer, we use the family name, right? He's not some distant God. He's not a God just sitting up in heaven, that he is your Father, and, and I understand that some of us, some of you, may have a bad example of what a father is. And that's why he's pulling you in. That's why he wants you to come in and say, trust me. I'm not going to hurt you like you've been hurt by your father. I'm going to love you and teach you what it is to be loved by a father. Because when you go to the Lord with the family name, it gets his attention. You know, I have three kids, and if, if there was 100 kids in here, I could still pick out each of my children calling out, Dad, Father, help me, Dad, because my ear is tuned to their voices. My ear is tuned to their cries, and I would do whatever it takes to get to my children to help them. And that's how God is with you today. And we go to God or the position on the premise of our position, not our condition. That I go to God with my troubles based on my position with him. That he is my father. And I don't go to him with the condition that I am. I say, God, help me, your son. For you love me and you want to do what's good for me. And Jesus' condition was critical but his position was heavenly. His condition on the outside was terrible. He was being crucified. On the outside, he was a crucified Christ, but on the inside, he was a conquering king. Come on, somebody. I want you to hear that for yourself today. That, that you may be going through it, 
You may be broken. You may be hurting. You may be abused today, but I want you to know something on the inside. You're a conquering king. You're a conquering queen. That God lives on the inside of you, and you are more than a conqueror today, and you are going to make this. So don't look at yourself at the condition you're in, but the position that you're in. That you are a child of the king, and you are going to make it today. Oh, man, this is good. Even though his body was broken, he kept his mind elevated. He said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I want you to know today, God's hands. Let me say it this way. Today, your father's hands are trustworthy. A.W. Tozer says, the, lo the low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. The decline of the knowledge of the holy has brought on our troubles. A rediscovery of the majesty of God will go a long way towards curing them. Sometimes we just have the wrong view of God, right? Like I said, some of you look at God in the way that you had your father. You know, maybe he was controlling or he talked down to you or whatever you did something wrong, he was ready to discipline you. But I want you to know today, God loves you. In his hands, you could trust him. You could put your life in his hands and trust him with it. You could put your marriage in his hands and trust him with it. You could put your health in his hands and trust him with it. You could put your finances in his hands and trust him with it. You could put your career in his hands and trust him. You could put and you should put your kids' lives in his hands and trust him with it. Jesus is modeling this for us, right? He says, I don't see God. I don't feel God. I don't even hear God but I trust him. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And what's amazing in this moment when he says this, it says the temple veil, there was a huge veil, 36 inches thick, right? Thick, 36 inches thick. And that when Jesus said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, it said that it went dark and that veil ripped in half. That veil was separation between man and God, that no one could go through that veil without fear and trembling, that only the priest one time a year could go into that place. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. No longer do you have to fear of being in God's presence, but now you can rejoice. You can rejoice in knowing that you could be in God's spirit that you could be in his presence, that he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants you to be in his presence. Top to bottom. No longer do we have a separation from God. But wherever you're watching this at right now, God wants to visit you in that place. And Jesus paid that price, that what separated you and I from God from God, the sin that we were born into, the sin that we bear. Jesus says, because I'm forgiving you of that, I'm offering up my life as a sacrifice. Now there has to be, there, there is no separation from God. And a matter of fact, Jesus said, where there used to be a separation, now I will become your mediator, that I will be between you and God. And when you need, when you have a need in your life, I'm going to go to the Father and go, Father, listen, your son, 
your daughter, your child is in need. Let's make sure we take care of it. Jesus is that mediator, and God wants to be with you. And today, there's two things I want to encourage you with. One, take your bad day. Take your bad season. Take what you've gone through and give it to God and leave it there. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to give your life to, to Christ. I want you to trust him with where you've been, where you're at, and where you're going. You say, God, I want to give you me. That I've tried to live this life. It's been difficult. It's been hard. I can't do this any longer. If I'm going to put anything in your hands today, Jesus, it's going to be me. And I'm going to trust you with me. And it's today into your hands, I commit my spirit. I commit my life. I commit my marriage. I commit my kids. I commit my, my health. I commit my career. And I trust you with it because I can't keep worrying about it but you could fix it. I have one more story I want to share with you today. This is just an incredible story of, of a couple who um, had difficulties, and um, they, they didn't know what to do, but, but they said, Jesus, we're taking this, and we're placing it in your hands because we want to see what you can do. And they trusted Jesus. They said, we can't do this anymore. We're putting it in your hands and we're trusting you. I want you to watch this story. And we'll come back and I want to pray for you. So Robbie and I got married in February of 2018 and we decided pretty much right away we wanted to have kids. So we started to try and we know it's normal for things to take a while so we continued to try and more than the normal amount of time went by that things were supposed to be happening. Um, and we started to pray about it and we started to look into our options as far as just things that we could try on our own. Um, and with all the things that we could figure out, we just never had any luck on our own conceiving a child. Um, so it, it was an issue with infertility that we were struggling with and at the same time having a deep desire to have a child of our own. She saw how I acted with you know children and stuff like that and she saw that and thought that I would make a, a good dad so like we we tried like she said very early on and um, it was just it was very hard to kind of see her mental state through it all because as the guy as, as the guy I am I'm a fixer I, I, I like to see a problem and I like to fix it and knowing that there was nothing that I could do uh, it, was, it was it was rough but you know we stuck together, we prayed together, and we tried 
just about all the crazy out there things that you can think of uh, that they tell you the wise tales and different same nothing nothing worked till you know we we got help throughout my adult life I've had trouble with my reproductive system just with regularity and things being like they're supposed to be and I had been under the care of doctors and none of them really thought that I would have trouble when it was time to have a baby. Um, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, but most people who have it have no problem having a baby. Um, and we decided that since it had been several years of us trying with no luck, we really needed to seek the next step, which was to see a fertility specialist. So we saw um, Dr. George Koyanis with Center for Reproductive Medicine. He's based out of Mobile. Um, and in our first meeting with him, we immediately just felt like this was the right call. This was where God was leading us because I just had read about Dr. Kolianis and I had stumbled across a blog where they were talking about he is open with his faith and Dr. Kolianis is a believer. So in our first meeting with him, I mentioned, you know, that we felt that God had led us there and that we hoped that he would be the one to help us because we felt like God had placed him in our path. And he just looked at us and he said, well, God willing, we will have a baby. We're going to get you pregnant. Through the process, of course, we were asking God to help us, you know, to give us hope and to prompt, I guess I was looking for something to help me keep going, you know, that God would give me. And one day I was in Alyssa's Antique Depot over in Pace, which is close to where we all are. And there was just all this Christian music playing and it was all have faith, keep your faith. And I heard an audible voice from the Lord and it said, you will give him children. And I knew that that had to be God because in that moment, that was the last thing on my mind. I, I never thought that would happen. I was pretty much convinced that through all this time that we've been seeing no, seeing no, that, you know, we would not be at that point ever. And of course, that was really reassuring and it gave me a high for a while. Um, didn't realize that it would be several more years before we would see that promise fulfilled. But from that point forward, we were trying with this invisible promise that we already knew we were going to have children. Um, and that was, that was something very reassuring for us. The church family being with being by our side the entire time has been, you know, nothing short of amazing. And it 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 didn't take the full burden off, but I mean, it did make it easier to carry to know that we had people that were in our corner fighting, praying, and all that stuff that 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 we needed. You know, we would get texts from Steve, and every time we got to the church, you know, everybody would be asking like, "How you're doing?" You know what can we pray for you about and I mean it was just very very comforting to see all these people you know who you know we might not have, have known that well starting out but who have definitely grown to be family um, that has kind of like I said helped ease that burden they've been with us through the the low and they were cheering for us you know at our high so I mean it's been it's been great we couldn't have you know, ask for a better church family, and we love, love each and every one of you. You know, you guys have been great. I love you guys. So there's so much I'm excited for. 
and having a baby. I just, I can't wait to, to hold him and see his face. And just to know that after all this, God has just made a human, a miracle, a new life. And I can't wait to just experience it. I can't wait to see you, Dad. She waited till the last question to finally get me. She finally, finally made me tear up. Um, I would say I'm most excited for um, the first day that I can take him out with little golf clubs and we go to the golf course and he sees how horrible his father really is at golf. Um, and he's gonna ask, why is Uncle Nathan giving me pointers at, uh, <laughs> at golf instead of you? Because Nathan's a lot better at golf than you are than I am, so uh, I would say definitely getting to experience those moments, you know, like, you know, a dad with a son, like, you know, the, the traditional, let's go play catch in the backyard. But I think I'm most excited, you know, just like she said, just to, just to hold him, just to see him and just have him, you know, be a part of our life and uh, just, to, just to see you know the family aspect of it all and like I said couldn't couldn't be happier there's gonna be a bunch of proud grandmas grandpas aunts and uncles and he's gonna be spoiled what a powerful testimony when we put our lives into his hand he'll work it out so today this has been an incredible message of trust if Jesus, on his worst day, hanging on a cross in front of the world, dying, and yet he still trusted his Father, you could do the same. That wherever you've been in life, wherever you are, wherever you're fearful of going, Jesus is here for you. And he wants to help you if you trust him. So let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us. Jesus, that, that you wanted to prove your trust and your love to us by dying on a cross. And you said, if you could trust me with your sins, you could trust me with your life. And God, whoever's watching this, who's been struggling through life, they're worried about their marriage, they're worried about their health, worried about their careers, God, that today they take that and they place it in your hands and they leave it there. And God, those who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, today let them walk into your hands, that they put themselves in your hands saying that, that God, they're fearful, they, they don't know how to do this any longer, God. They feel the weight of guilt and shame of the sin of their life, Lord, that they just trust you with their lives, God. They say, God, wherever you want to take me, I'll go. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do. But God, I can't do this without you. Right now, God, we, we just give you us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, send us a message. Let us know how we could pray with you. Let us know that today you gave your life to Jesus, that you said, God, if there was anything I was going to put in your hands, it's going to be my life, and I'm going to trust you with it. 
And if you have issues in your life that you need a community to pray with you for, send us that and let us be that community that helps to encourage, uplift, and to build you in your life. Hey, we are so thankful that you joined us for this incredible Easter service today. And I want to remind you that your journey starts here and your journey starts now.